Hello and welcome to another drive-in double feature. I'm Ryan. I'm Nathan. And this is the podcast where we talk about two movies a week every Tuesday and Thursday. But before we go into everything, we have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash drive-in double feature podcast. Just a couple of fun conversation games, little fun tidbits for Nathan and I just having a good time. Just something extra to give to you patrons out there as a thank you for supporting us. If you choose not to, do not worry. It does not affect any regular contact. But today, Nathan, I'm doing Tuesday for once. <laughs> you stole it from me. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how to even react to this, honestly. I'm just so yeah. at a loss. But I just have one question for you, Nathan. Can you dig <laughs> it? <laughs> Woo! I'm trying to, you know, beat the crowd in this one. But yes, <laughs> I can dig well, it. Well, good. Because, Nathan, this is legitimately my favorite movie of all time. And that is... 1979's The Warriors, directed by Walter Hill, set in a really ambiguous time frame, but uh, it's just all these different gangs, different gang dystopia, where it's almost like gangs are <laughs> the only like citizens in this town almost, but because yeah. there, there's very few uh, civilians, you know, there's cops and everything, but it's about a story of an up-and-coming gang called the Warriors, which is an outfit out in Coney Island. They travel to a big conclave where it's all these gangs having a big meeting about maybe doing some type of organized crime, perhaps, but there's an assassination that happens. The Warriors are to blame. They got to get home. That's the plot of the movie. Yeah, that's it. It's on the run. One night, they got to get home. And yeah, no, The Warriors is also, it isn't my favorite movie of all time, but it's up there. It's like in my top 20, this, this movie rocks. Uh, but I guess since it is your favorite movie of all time, I, I have to ask, like, what was your introduction to this movie? So the introduction for me to this movie was actually through my stepdad. He, he really liked the movie a lot. I don't think it was his favorite of all time, but he, uh, he just showed it to me. And, you know, I, I guess like I really wasn't familiar with a lot of these stylized type of movies because this movie is just style all over the place. I oh, mean, yeah. it, lots of colors, lots of really intricate outfits. And I don't know, it just, I, I'm, this was like around the time of like, Oh, four, maybe when I first saw it, maybe. And it was kind of like at that time frame where I was, starting to get into movies like really into them and not just on like a surface level just like you know like in dumb comedies or fantasies or actions or whatever but mm -hmm. um this one i don't know i just every time i would watch it i just would get so engrossed in the world and seeing all the different games i will say this though it's not a perfect movie i'm not claiming that it's a perfect movie but each time i watch it i just i get more and more excited when i'm watching it and it just it really just uh, sets the bar real high for me. No, that's great. I feel like this is such a good introduction. Like if you aren't really into like, you know, 70s kind of grittier movies, this is a solid introduction into that world of movies because I was introduced to this movie as a teenager as, as well. And it, it definitely captured some kind of charm. And, you know, it it's a simple plot and I can really appreciate that its simplicity allows for like this crazy amount of style on screen. And like it, I, I guess I never thought of it this way. I don't know why, but after watching these behind the scenes stuff for this movie, for this episode, I, hearing them talk about this being a comic book movie in a way, I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It kind of captures that mood. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I will say to, uh, I made a specification, I think, think at the end of the last episode where I've specified to make sure to watch the theatrical version of this yes. movie and not the director's cut. And there's a really big reason for that, which um, I'll get, we'll get into like maybe towards the end of the episode, but once mm -hmm. we've talked about it, but the, the theatrical version, I'll just say this is the better version, but anyway, yes, the movie, it just, it starts out like so mysterious. Mm -hmm. I like it. You just see one image, you just see the Wonder Wheel from Coney Island lit up in the background. And this just really, 
haunting type of song that it yeah. starts out with like and it's it's so good and then it just once the title comes in and starts like picking up and you see all these gangs they're getting ready for this meeting and then you have intercuts of the warriors just kind of talking to each other and you can kind of get like real brief glimpses into like their personality and yeah. uh no the the energy in this beginning and the rest of the movie it just keeps going it just has like this energy to it this almost beat to it and i mean the music helps i i, I will gush about uh sorry barry Devorzon's score synth led like rock music it is great i think it is amazing and i love this intro because it's a good way to introduce the movie right with each of the warriors you get introduced to their characters as they're just talking to someone else it's like a very simple and easy way like oh this is your character this is kind of the character type yeah and there's uh nine characters all together in this gang so you got mm -hmm. cleon the leader vermin rembrandt snowball uh choke coaches ajax fox and uh cowboy and uh gosh what's the last one's name you're you're forgetting uh swan new york new york, new york. oh yeah uh <laughs> how can i forget new york that's the 10th character yes but no swan the leader or not the uh, the the the, the, the de facto leader yeah de facto leader yeah right because uh cleon is the leader of the warriors and kind of setting up so there's only nine warriors in this movie but it's uh there are deleted scenes for this movie that kind of explain that these are characters that are like the nine representatives for this gang that they're chosen because mm -hmm. that's kind of what the deal was it was nine members from each gang were to go there and there was uh they were going to have this big meeting and uh i like i said they each have their very own different personality uh you know mm -hmm. cleon's a leader which unfortunately we don't get a lot of screen time with cleon um swan he's kind of like the real the heroic not well not really heroic but he's got those leadership qualities to him and yeah. ajax like the hothead and so on and so forth yeah they they all have their roles they're easy to latch on to but i think that's something that's just likable about these characters uh i think having those kind of archetypes because they're not good people right like i mean they're <laughs> I won't say they're bad but they're not they're not they're well, a gang. they're in they're in a gang right they're committing crimes and stuff like that but i think it's easy to like like these characters and kind of follow them and root for them they probably have done bad things because they are a gang and they have done like things like they've robbed stolen that type of thing in the expanded universe of this movie because there is an expanded universe to this that does explore the lore of this movie with the uh, video game from play mm -hmm from a PlayStation Xbox time that actually does showcase all the events leading up to the, the big uh, meeting. Oh, really? In fact, yeah. And in fact, there's actually side missions that shows how they formed the warriors. Okay. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> how so, long has the warriors been around for? Are they the like a new game? No, the new gang. Like, are they like a oh, new gang? They're relatively new. So okay. basically and the universe of this movie is that, uh, Cleon and Vermin were part of a different game called the Destroyers. And then after the Cleon broke off from that gang, the, he formed his own gang called the Warriors and everyone started coming on. And then, so Warriors are relatively new, maybe not even like a year old yet. And mm -hmm. they've, they've just been kind of making a name for themselves, like taking out other rival gangs and doing, making big moves and so much so that they got invited to the Conclave that's cool i like that uh and just like for context I, I there's a bunch of gangs it's almost like you said earlier new york is ran by multiple gangs and that's all the people that live there and they all have their own styles and they're all over the top the warriors kind of go for like a native american vibe with their vests and feathers and stuff like that but there's some really cool gangs out there like some wearing all purple and st it, they definitely yeah. went all out with the costumes within this one yeah, there's one called like the Moon Runners. They have like these satin jackets on. And mm -hmm. there's one, like you said, they're called the Boppers, which it look like they're all like wearing like these pimp type of outfits. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, another gang called the High Hats, which is just a gang of mimes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think that's so good. So, uh, 
I, it's it just you see all these different people like going to this big conclave and you're just like like what the hell like who are all these people like it, but it just it looks so cool and like how they all have their different outfits like that's a thing like like when you think of a gang now like you know every like a gang now like in modern day they maybe have like a, a bandana or like a color Mm-hmm. These guys have like coordinated outfits. Yeah, they have to go to the costume store, buy <laughs> specific things. When the store ran, runs out of mime outfits, what do you do then? Like, what, I know. Do they just fight over like the face paint if it just like starts getting low or what? I know. Or they have to makeshift some face, face paint. They got to figure out what the, they're going to the paint store and they're just, just rubbing, w- rubbing white out on their face. <laughs> hey, if it works. It must be nice to be part of a gang that doesn't have that crazy of a get up. Like you just have to put on a shirt or something. Oh God, can you imagine you have to go like put on your face paint before every (laughs) every meeting? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you just sleep with it at some point, I guess. (laughs) Just get it tattooed on your face just to save time. Uh, But no, I I love this intro and kind of the buildup and you really get built into this universe um, of New York. And I mean, I hate to to be like this i know it's cliche but new york raw you know it's really cool to see nasty old dirty new york full of graffiti just gross it, it, it's crazy because that, that's what new york looked like but it still gives a post-apocalyptic vibe it's so weird Love yeah it. that's that's how uh walter hill was kind of going for is that it wanted to be like a real ambiguous time period which it does kind of seem like it's in the future of some sort it does like yeah there is nothing in here that's like that screams like this is the 70s or whatever yeah no well except maybe like hairstyles or whatever but (laughs) that's about it yeah which i mean that's just the way it's gonna be for 70s movies um yeah but no and i then they finally get to that meeting one of the most famous scenes like in movie history at least one of the most quoted scenes in movie history I gotta say, like the guy that plays Cyrus, uh, Roger Hill, is uh, he? What a performance from this guy! Like, so good. he's only in this one scene, but my God, this guy like leaves a foot, like a huge mark, like mm-hmm. like such a big hole, like where he was. Yeah, it had been years since I last watched this movie. I forgot how long this scene is a Cyrus standing up in the middle of everybody and having a speech, but like, it's still like enthralling. I don't know of him just like, can you dig it? And he's like, we can all join together. It's like, yeah, I I always quote the parts. Like we have the Saracens next to the Jones street boys. (laughs) We have the moon runners, (laughs) Right by the Van Cortland Rangers. <laughs> it is exactly like that. He has like this stage, like stage performance. I don't know. It's so good. The, so much of a presence and so much charisma. I mean, like it's, just, uh, he passed away about in 2014, but my man, like this guy should have had a career, honestly. Like, a, yeah. like he should have been like in huge movies. Yeah, I was looking him looking him up he, he wasn't really in much he feels no. like somebody who who would be um uh-huh. but it, and it's crazy that he has such a presence for a guy who's in the movie for maybe five minutes he has five yeah. minutes of screen time not not in a very long but he left his mark in movie history in my book but yeah uh in fact, just talking about like the fame of the cast, though, so actually the probably the most famous person of this cast is James Reamer playing yeah. Adrax, who you may remember he was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation playing Raiden. He was of also <laughs> he was also uh, Dexter's dad in the show Dexter. Yeah, um, he's been in a lot of different stuff. I mean, if you see like a gravelly voice like guy, it's it's that's plays like a cop or whatever. That's probably James Reamer. Yeah, he, he's probably the most uh, popular out of like this bunch of people, or I guess the one that got the most work after this movie on all these people. And I, and I think that really shows because Ajax is one of the most one of the characters that's easily latchable latch on like easy for you to latch onto, And he's probably the worst of the bunch, but he's oh, just yeah. he's just so interesting. Yeah, uh, when you watch this movie newer, like with, with the more like current timeline, and then he starts like dropping like 
homophobic slurs <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It's like, oh boy, I forgot about some of this stuff. But yeah, you know, it's the time period. I don't know. But you got to look at it like this is the seventies, and there. So one thing too, I want to I mention too is how old do you think these characters are supposed to be in this movie? Because like the actors in are, are like in their late twenties, early thirties, but mm-hmm. I think they're implying that these are teenagers in this yeah. movie. Yeah, I think there's like that is a bit odd of a, like a weird discrepancy because it, it definitely feels like a movie that would be made for young people or with young people in mind. And I mean, there's a couple characters that look young to me, like Rembrandt. I think looks pretty young to me but like our lead swan this looks like a man like this is not this isn't a kid that's a man right there yes swan is like in his 30s when he when he's doing this movie wow and yeah like because i believe he was born i think he was born like in i think like the early 50s maybe or maybe even the late 40s he might even be close to 40 at the time <laughs> but um but my point is though is just that because there is a line later it's like oh yeah our youth worker talks about you guys all the time or something i'm like huh like you know it's just it's just such a weird thing to say because i'm like i guess these guys are supposed to be like teenagers like they're coming up like as a teen gang or something yeah i love my middle school math teacher can't wait to go back to middle school you know that was a weird line Uh i gotta go (laughs) Can't wait for the big varsity uh, basketball game later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do think the, um, so, I mean, just from this scene that we were talking about, you know, he gets shot and we get introduced to a great character uh, uh, played by David Patrick Kelly. I'm forgetting the character's name. Luther. Luther, Luther. Great villain. He's just had such a presence. He looks like a like an eighties hair metal dude before eighties hair metal was a thing. Like it is crazy. Yeah, he's got some crazy hair, and I mean, this guy. I, this was his first or one of the first movies that he had done, and uh, Walter Hill like really took a liking to him. And actually, if you look at a lot of Walter Hill's filmography, like he gets put into there a lot. There is actually a couple other. Um, I believe him and um, Rembrandt were both in 48 Hours, which he also directed. Yep. Okay. So um, he's in a lot because of that he just, and he always attributes that this movie to the, the, the reason why he has a, a movie career. He's like, yeah, this movie got me like 30 other movie roles. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like one of those roles that's like unforgettable. Cause I mean, late in the movies he has, one of the most another one of the most popular lines of all time but that, that was gonna say that line later that's probably like in the top 100 quotes of like any movie ever yeah which which is crazy because it has the name of the movie in in the quote that's promotion for the movie right there um, um but no i i love it because this guy he shoots cyrus and and, and he's just like the warriors did it the warriors did it and everyone's just like oh yeah this guy's right okay the yeah warriors. yeah they just they just take take it at face value and that's mainly because fox the uh scout of the group notices luther did it so mm-hmm. you know that's and then that's why luther was pointing at the warriors specifically um much later in the movie though when they're questioning luther about why he did it they're like why'd you do it like like no reason because i just do that stuff like (laughs) i actually love that explanation because it's like it adds to like his crazy character he literally just wanted to ruin everybody's time just for fun yeah because the whole point of this conclave like i said was it was to kind of build like this organized network of a crime syndicate of some sort and they had it was a big truce nobody was allowed to bring any weapons or anything so when cyrus gets shot it's like, oh, they broke the truce and they shot Cyrus. And that's when the Warriors got blamed for it. That's why every gang in town is after them at this point. And mm-hmm. Cleon, right away, uh, the, uh, Cyrus is a leader of his own gang called the Riffs. And yep. then the Riffs uh, murder <laughs> Cleon. They just beat him to death right there in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. It, it That just shows you the power of the Riffs who kind of show up only in pockets of the movie kind of like as like and same with luther honestly that that 
our main villains in this movie, I like that they kind of just, they have a presence, but they're not really in the movie. I don't even think Luther really has a confrontation with the warriors after that first scene until like the end of the movie. Right. He does. Luther is just kind of like lurking around type of thing. And you don't really see him again until the very end of the movie. Uh, I mean, you see him again, but he doesn't have like a confrontation with anybody until the very end. Yeah. But he still has like a presence in the movie. It's like really interesting. I want to say too the riffs too. That's another like really cool gang because the whole movie is also intercut with scenes with them too, where they getting updates about what the warriors are doing. And there's just like certain scenes where it'd be like the Maasai, the second in command of the riffs. He'll just be like sitting there, just like with sunglasses on. He's just like looking straight at the camera, and then like a guy comes into the frame and just like whispers in his ears, like another gang, a small outfit. They just got taken down by the warriors. Yeah, I love it because this movie is just so it's so stylish. That's what's so cool. Every shot is like, what can we do that's creative? It's not about it's not completely about realism in a way. It's about like how what can we do to make this look really cool? Like there's a scene with the riffs where they come down the elevator and it looks like the elevator settles down and they're all wearing their like sunglasses and they're just walking out of the elevator. It I mean, that just goes, I love movies that look cool and don't care about it. That's this movie. Yeah, I mean, not very heavy on plot or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it just it looks, it looks amazing. Um, yeah. I want to I circle back a little bit. So this movie, like you said, was, was actually based off of a book mm-hmm. uh, by Saul Urich. And that one is a lot more grounded in reality. Like the, actually like the gangs and stuff like that, though, are, they're a lot more like there's actually like so in this movie there's it's kind of like an an interracial type of gang that's like there's white black all that in the gang but um and the book completely black and hispanic the funny thing too is is that uh, um in this movie like i said they're all have like their vests and things like that to do that do you know what they uh, originally wore like the warriors no uh, and well, that's the other thing too. They were not called the warriors. The warriors were called was like the actual like general term for all gang members. Oh, okay. So, so there was no a gang called the warriors. the The main character gang was actually called the Coney Island Dominators. That sounds more like a gang name from like the sixties or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> With, yeah. And the movie and the book is set through the sixties, but the uniform that the Coney Island Dominators wear was a uh, they would wear blue paisley polo shirts, monkey jacket, tight jackets, tight black chino pants, ankle boots, and high crown straw hat that has a Mercedes Benz hood emblem. Okay, <laughs> <That's> really specific. <laughs> All right, they're still they're stealing hood emblems. Yeah, and they and I put them on a straw hat awesome yeah soul i mean i think i was reading a little bit about the writer that he worked with like kids and gangs so maybe maybe it's more based off of reality than i'm thinking it, it is i mean the whole movie is the whole book is actually a lot more bleak it's mm-hmm. and there there is no central bad guy in the book it's a lot more of they're going out to this area and the cops show up to this conclave and they think there was a setup and mm-hmm. there was no like blaming it on the, on the gang or whatever type of thing. It was just, Oh, we have to make it home by going through all these enemy territories. Yeah. Yeah. Where this one, it has more of a, I we, we have to go through enemy territory so we can get to the subway, which is going to take us home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, so anyway, getting back to the plot of the movie, um, like I said, they, there's after the assassination of Cyrus, there is uh, the warriors are now on the run and Cleon's dead. They got to get back home. The first gang they encounter are the uh, Turnbull ACs. And those are right. the uh, yeah. the bald, the bald headed uh, guys. And they have a big giant bus. Yeah, <laughs> they like travel by bus. The movie almost at first makes it feel like that they won't leave their bus because like i swear that it looks like they dodged them and it looks like they got out because like got out of the way and the gangs were like dang it we couldn't run them over with our bus we can't get out well yeah so like like they stay in the bus because 
they're running up the subway steps. Now you figure if you're chasing somebody in your car and they run up a flight of stairs, you would park your car and get out. They drive past, get out and then go. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we got to find a good parking space, even though this place looks <laughs> dead. There's zero cars out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of subway footage in this movie and I, and I love it. Um, but yeah, they're like running through and there's like a big chase scene and they actually make it to the subway that they, they actually do make it. Um, yeah. And then it's resolved uh, to Coney Island. We go. Um, yeah. And then the, uh, cause I basically just want to run through each of the gangs that they went through. Cause yeah. so after, yeah. afterwards uh, the subway breaks down and they have to face another gang. And this gang too, which I really like the leader of this gang. Because I love he's him. Such, cause he's, <laughs> He's such, he's a loser, basically. So, like, the whole, the, the gang they go against is uh, called the Orphans. Yes. And they're such a low-rent gang, they didn't even get invited to the Conclave. Yeah, they're and, like, why, why wouldn't the Orphans get invited? <laughs> yeah. You see what you get, Warriors? You see what you get with messing with the Orphans? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what uh, Fox does, though. Fox is like, oh, uh, yeah, we heard about you, you know, from our youth worker you're, you're a real tough gang and they're like carrying like the newspaper like see they write about us yeah <laughs> look we did this like someone has to carry around this clipping uh but you're right this i love the look of the leader of the words they picked the right guy because he's got like i don't even know how to explain it like he's got like a lazy eye and he just like I don't know. And they, he's got he's about to let him pass through too. That's what's funny. He's like, you can you can go through. It it's fine, you know, like <laughs> whatever. Yeah, well it, they it's like they look like a bunch of rejects. That's just what it looks yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the big introduction in this scene is that they get introduced to the character Mercy, mm -hmm. which it, uh it's kind of implied she's a prostitute, but yeah, that's what I that's what I got out of it. She can also do a very perfect impression of a chicken. Uh, when I, every time I hear that, I'm like, there is no way that that woman made that chicken noise. I, there's no no human can make that noise. Yeah, it sounded like they took went to a farm, got a recorded a chicken, and put it right in. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, Mercy shows up, and I I I think Mercy is a great character. She is the one like, well, I guess I should say the because there is another female in the movie, but she's like the important female in the movie. And she's, uh, she's great. She's strong. I like her because she, you know, she's got a mouth on her, you know, she doesn't mm -hmm. really take any crap from anybody. There is a scene right afterwards because they, uh, they do outrun the orphans and then they're mm -hmm. talking, Mercy kind of follows the warriors because she has like a weird attraction to them or something along those lines. And mm -hmm. they're, uh, they start like basically talking about like how they're going to do things to her. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like kind of like this weird moment, but yeah, it's luckily not, nothing happens. Thank I, God. They're kind of like playing with her almost. They're, like, why are you following just, us? You want to yeah, train on you? Like, like oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, they're basically doing it to just intimidate her. They're not doing it to, they actually well maybe ajax does i don't know but because we're gonna find that out later but yeah exactly but that's what it, it's just an intimidation thing but they end up stuck with her for the the rest of the movie there yeah. she's with them and uh one thing too uh, that while this is going on so like the warriors do eventually get separated due to like uh outrunning another gang and this next gang is probably the most famous thing out of this movie like yeah. when anybody says the warriors it's usually this mental image and it's for the gang the baseball furies which are these guys that wear baseball uniforms mm -hmm. they carry baseball bats and they just have the most colorful face paint on <laughs> yeah they look and, like members of kiss that's like kind of what it goes for in a way yeah pretty much and they don't say a word ever they just mm -hmm. they just they show up with their baseball bats and they're just they're ready to start busting some heads and yeah um ajax has another really popular line from there where he's just like mm -hmm. which it's i also gets from it it's i think they said it was like on the top list of like top baseball quotes <laughs> he's like i'm gonna take that baseball bat shove it up your ass and turn you into a popsicle 
Yeah, it, it's a great line. And I, God, I love these guys. They really do have a great look. They wield these baseball bats like samurai swords. That's, that's, there's some just cool like imagery with that. Yeah, there's one guy that has it like he's holding like the butt of the baseball bat and then he just like shoots it out of his hand almost like it's like a dagger like coming out of his arm. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, And the fight scene's great. Well, it's after a long chasing because the Warriors, they run away a lot of the movie because the deal was when you went to this meeting was that you couldn't bring any weapons. That was like, so no, but none of them brought weapons that we know of. And so it's like, oh, crap. Well, we have nothing to fight with. So we have right. to run from everybody. Right. And it's nine guys versus thousands. Exactly. Yeah. And thousands with baseball bats. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's a really good moment. I really like the baseball scene, too. Like, you just hear, like, the baseball bats, like, clanking against each other. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really good scene. But, yeah. So after that's over, we go over to... Uh, another scene in the subway where like the cops were chasing them mm-hmm. and uh unfortunately um fox gets thrown into the uh subway train and gets uh, just totally dies yeah they kind of the way they say it the rest of the movie is like oh the cops got him but like no he kind of gets like just thrown into the subway train they don't they don't show it but it's like a really cool montage you, you know what happened so there was a whole reason for this scene because this was not originally in the script mm-hmm. originally it was supposed to be fox was supposed to be the main love interest for mercy mm-hmm. and uh but unfortunately there was no real chemistry between the two and she had a lot more chemistry with uh, swan his character mm-hmm. and allegedly too and this this what this was out of walter hill's mouth said that him and Thomas Waits did not get along at all. So much so that if you look at the cast listing, he's listed as uncredited. He has, he's not even credited in the movie. What? Really? That's messed up. Come on, Walter. <laughs> God. I, I don't know if that was a Thomas Waits thing or what, or, but um, mm-hmm. if you look like, if you go to like IMDB, he's listed as uncredited. Uncredited. Holy crap. Wow. That that's rough. Yeah. Cause he's and, in the movie. Yeah. I mean, he has a pretty, I mean, decent sized part. I mean, not like, not like a huge one or anything, but he's probably like third or fourth most seen warrior. Yeah. Yeah. It, interesting. Um, but I guess I forget does the scene where they walk through the park right after this because they end up getting split up and it kind of plots parallel each other. Yeah. So this happens. You're right. So this next the they're they're still in the park and then uh, Ajax big moment happens. Yeah, as well. yeah. Which our favorite movies have a connection here because it's a uh, <laughs> Mercedes yeah. role on the on the park bench uh, and just uh, Ajax. This happens to both people that get split up, which is so wild. Like, oh, you know what? Uh, you know, I kind of want to have some sex right now. I'm, I'm a little bored. I gotta, I gotta find some women when we're on the run in the middle of New York and enemy territory. It's- yeah, and it, Swan is like, you're insane. Like, like get yeah. over yourself. Like, and Ajax is a like a big hothead, and he's like, I don't give a shit type of thing, and <laughs> just <laughs> and he uh, goes over to the woman because it's implied too that she's like a prostitute or something like that and mm-hmm. she's just on a park bench and then ajax starts assaulting her pretty much and yes and then she's and a cop she turns out she's a cop so he bad guy gets his come comeuppance at least yeah and i i love the cops roll up and they do like a very unnecessary drift like they i don't know they turn in and then they like the way they park their car like is like so unnecessary oh yeah because it was she already had him subdued he was already handcuffed so yeah he was handcuffed to the bench and he couldn't get it like out and it lasts for a while of him like pleading he's like please no no you know like why'd you do this to me um Uh, one thing too i want to mention because this may be the last time i mentioned james reamer is that supposedly James Reamer did not break character like out of okay <laughs> when they weren't when like during like when they weren't filming. So I was watching a lot of videos preparing for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched um, like a fan expo thing or whatever, like a meetup or something where it was like or it was a panel 
okay. it was like where it was like Cleon, Cochise, Berman, and Swan were like at a table, like answering questions. And they were saying like, there was at one point that uh, in order for, they wanted like a Warriors logo somewhere um, on, in the city. So they painted Warriors out there, but they actually painted over another gang's logo. Oh God. Which, which is like a big no-no like type of thing. Yeah. And uh like Cleon and everyone, like the guys that they were like sitting around, and then Ajax comes over. James Reamer, who's still in the Ajax character, he's like, Hey, there's a guy, there's some guys bopping in our territory. <laughs> like, and Cleon, the guy that played Cleon was just like, like it was just so strange. Like, I've never have like seen like a guy like use the movie dialogue in like a real life setting like that. <laughs> just... Could you imagine like real <laughs> dangers happening? And he, he's out here doing the lines from the movie i wild method acting at its best they they settled it though by paying them and they got to be extras in the movie though so that's how they that's how they settled that that's a pretty good deal actually yeah uh but anyway after ajax gets arrested fox gets murdered um so like i said uh uh the very next gang is uh a gang that Furman, Cochise, uh, Rembrandt, all of them were, uh, they got taken upstairs to like this gang, like this gang of girls. They're, you know, they're just kind of like, hey, why don't you guys come up and have a good time? Our boyfriends are out for a while. You know, we'd like to come see you. And, you know, they're, mm. they're you know, like these young teens. So they don't really give, they don't really care about that. They're not really thinking with their head. So they go yeah. up there looking for some action type of thing. Um, so I will say, though, that when I said that originally it was supposed to be Fox and Mercy, Swan was supposed to have his own uh, subplot where he was supposedly going to be captured by a homosexual gang and be tortured. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he would eventually break away. But still, it's just like, yeah, I'm really glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> I- I'm glad that didn't happen either. I-, I feel like this movie is so, like, well paced that that scene sounds like it would just, like, kill a lot of it yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh, uh, but, but, but go ahead you i was gonna say but the lizzie's who are the gang that like kind of take these guys in they're they're great i i like them but i they really aren't thinking with their heads because they are really menacing the whole time and they do not notice a thing well actually one does rembrandt's kind of like walking around mm-hmm. Yeah, Rembrandt's like by the door and he's like, guys, we got to go. Like we're, <laughs> we're being hunted right now. Yeah, I think like uh, I guess a part of it is that they don't understand. I, they really they don't find out till late in the movie that every gang is after them. Like they, they don't find out that. Well, sorry, they don't find out till way late in the movie that they they are implicated in the death of Cyrus. They just think, oh, we're walking through territory and people don't want us there. And so it, it's kind of I guess that's part of it. It's it's really nice because uh, like you they are real menacing, but then eventually you know it is revealed that they are a gang that they know about the Cyrus murder and they try mm-hmm. to kill the warriors too, and they have to fight their way out of, out of the room. Yes, yeah, and they bust through the door, which I watched forty eight hours not long ago, which has a very similar scene where a door gets like broken open by somebody running through it. So I, it's a Walter Hill to Hill trope, I guess. Walter Hill loves busting doors. I guess so. James Remar is in that too. I guess Walter Hill just loves loves reusing actors and everything. Hey, more warriors, that's fine with me. But yeah, I agree. Um, the very next scene, they all finally were... I, I know we're kind of going through the whole movie, but I, I really <laughs> love this movie so much. I like, I like talking about it. So. Of course, no worries. But the next scene with the punks, so they at the subway station uh, bathroom mm-hmm. what a scene that oh, one is yeah i really like that scene which i guess is the only set built for this movie because they couldn't find a mm-hmm. bathroom for it uh or an actual bathroom that fit the setting and yeah I, I love it because they're all hiding behind the like the the bathroom stalls and it's kind of like you know it builds up and they're like okay we're gonna attack them um and they're just waiting it has this like nice tenseness but then once they're out the fight is like crazy 
Yeah, it's they're throwing people through walls, doors. Uh, Rembrandt sprays a guy in the face with paint. <laughs> yeah, and, that's how it starts. Yeah, uh, it's it's such a huge scene, and I remember that I think them talking about you know they were having to shoot that like real late at night, and it was just such a, that part was just so exhausting, like having to choreograph all that whole fight. Yeah, I couldn't imagine the amount of work that went in this movie was. It's probably insane. Like, I, I don't know. I God, finding all those locations and everything, the fighting. And I know there's a kissing scene later that way later, but they like had to time it with like the subway passing by and they had like, so he would pull away right before the subway passed by, which is crazy coordination. <laughs> like yeah. so much to that. Just, yeah. So much went into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we'll just we'll kind of skip ahead to like the very end because um, there. Well, one scene before that, which I will yeah. mention, I want to mention is in the subway. So at this point, like the characters have like been through hell. Like they just they have they, like they're either bloody, they got scrapes, bruises mm-hmm. all over their bodies, and you could tell like I guess the same night the prom was going on or whatever because. Mm-hmm. When they when they're sitting in the subway, like the whole gang, these uh, four teens come on there, and they they're all like in their prom dresses and tuxes, and they're just laughing, having a good time, and they kind of sit across from the warriors, and I guess it's supposed to imply that they're like the same age, maybe or something like that, and they missed out on the prom and the good times uh-huh. for this type of thing. But the people from the prom though, just they look at them. And like Swan, Mercy, and all of them are just staring at this at this uh, four uh, four person group, and they and they just kind of like uh, like they the, the 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 prom goers just get like real nervous, and they get off at the very next stop. Uh, well, and Mercy fixes her hair when she looks at the girl, and then Swan's like, "No, don't you know?" Kind of like, "Don't do that. You don't have to do yeah. that for me." Um, yeah, no. What what that scene pops out to me because it's so different from the rest of the movie, but I like it. I think it's a good scene. Uh, It's probably the scene that has like the most metaphoric meaning to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I, you know, we, we kind of brushed on it, but I I do like the relationship that Swan and Mercy build up because you wouldn't think Swan's very stoic. I do like this guy's performance, but he's definitely like stoic, very in his head and everything. And then, um, you know it, the relationship between him and mercies it, it's good it adds a lot of character to him yeah because he could tell that she's like a real tough woman and you know she's very strong and you know i guess he likes the fact that she kind of stands up for herself she's not she's definitely not a very submissive type of girl you know she you know she will fight for whatever she wants and even like during like that uh, big bathroom brawl scene like she's in there and she's trying to help mm-hmm. out as best she can too and that mm-hmm. so it it is kind of nice to see like their uh, relationship kind of develop naturally like that yeah exactly and then they do make it back and i do like the line that swan has when he looks at long, long island or sorry coney island and he's like um he's I've, we fought to get here for this and it's kind of like I, he has a realization like was this all really worth it yeah i because I, at this point these guys have gone through hell they've have two of their friends are now dead mm-hmm. one's in the one's in the uh in jail so it's just kind of like like why like yeah like you said like was it really all worth it <laughs> yeah it, it, it's sad but what sucks is they make it back and that's not the end of the movie uh i i there is still a bit more i guess who shows up again luther luther's back into the movie and he's he gets the iconic line that that you quoted uh, last episode we got to play the line nathan which goes a little something like this
Yeah. You, you know what I love about this line? I, so much was like, I, I don't know. I guess I didn't realize this last time I watched. If you watch him doing this line, he just says it over and over and over again, taking no breaths. And his face just gets redder and redder and redder as he says it. This it, It's crazy. Yeah. And he just, he says it like in such a different, like each way too is so different from the mm-hmm. last be like warriors come out to play or like, warriors come out to play. yeah it gets like it gets more and more desperate as it goes on and i guess this was all ad lib too which yeah. that's um, genius yeah the guy that played luther he actually said it was he said there was like a real creepy neighbor that was like supposedly like sitting on his porch and he would say that to him, like, it's like, David, come out to play. Like, what, who know, was this guy? I, I don't know, but I would have, I would have never have went down that street again if that was the case. No, I would be so scared, but it was New York. That was just a New York thing, I guess. Did he, was he from New York? Oh, I guess you're right. I don't know if he was from New York, but wherever he lived, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to deal with it. I'd be scared. No, but yeah, this again, probably one of the most iconic lines in a movie ever. Cause it's mm-hmm. just, that's usually like, when I said, you know, like people think of the baseball furies, but everyone thinks of this line though. Yeah. When, I they, feel, when they think of this movie, I think we've talked about lines like this before. I think this is a line that gets quoted and I mean, it has the name of the movie in it, but like people probably quote this and never seen this movie or know this movie. They just know this line. It's one of those where the line is more famous than the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the final showdown is really good because once again, they're kind of face down in front of the ocean and Luther has a gun and they are unarmed. Um, it's it just it reminds me I, I think it got brought up this way on the behind the scenes thing i watched but it, like a western and i was like yeah this is definitely a western vibe yeah this has more this is a better uh western showdown than like the one we saw in uh doc <laughs> yeah where doc was like no we're not doing the cliche western <laughs> yeah this one goes for the cliche which it works here yeah, because I, I love I love it because, you know, he's holding the gun and then Swan like almost dodges the bullet and th- throws the switchblade into his arm. And um, I love that the gang behind Luther does not back him up or attack them. They just let him sit there in pain. Yeah, yeah, his gang, the rogues. Yeah, but I think that's because the riffs have already shown up at this point. I was about to say, the riffs just kind of show up out of nowhere, like out of thin air almost. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of it's kind of scary. I guess in this time they have learned that the warriors were not the ones that they, committed the crime. Yeah, there was a another, another character, there was a scene earlier that was said, like, we actually have an eyewitness about who actually shot Cyrus. So mm-hmm. that's how the riffs know. And then when the riffs show up, they come up to the warriors and they go, you warriors, you, you guys are good real good and then swan just says the best <laughs> yeah and that's the last line of the movie it's it mm-hmm. and that's it's like the that ending always lives like rent free in my head like i always think of that ending so much wait, took, wait. Like, the final showdown or them walking down the beach them walking down the beach okay yeah <laughs> to the yeah. eagle song yeah to the in the city by joe walsh so Mm -hmm. i i don't know i just always like that scene like where they're just walking down the beach and that's supposedly what they were told is just keep walking and we're not until we yell cut and they Mm -hmm. never yelled cut so they just kept walking and supposedly they walked like really far away like and they were just like uh should we turn around (laughs) (laughs) yeah what a what a what a what a goof what a what a, a prank on them um but man after watching it this time and like i said it's been years my love for this movie is still really strong it's still like a great action 70s movie like it it captures like this whole feeling mood it's stylish and i don't know i just walk out of it and i just had a really great time oh yeah it's a blast i mean i i cannot i can't express like just how much i really like this movie because it's Mm -hmm. You know, it like I said, are there better well-made movies that I like? Sure, but 
I always liked it because I always feel like this is my movie. Like this is the one that I really love a lot. And mm -hmm. after watching it again, I was thinking, I was like, maybe, because I was kind of thinking that like before we even were discussing doing this, I was like, is this still my favorite? Like, because mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I do like other movies, but then after watching this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it still <laughs> is. No, and that's what's nice about having a favorite movie. Sometimes it's like, it's your movie when you rewatch it even if it's been a little bit it still brings that spark of joy that's what's important nathan we forgot to talk about one thing in this movie and that is the dj <laughs> yeah the dj yes yeah um, uh which uh the dj is basically an unforeseen character unseen character you you just see their lips and it's actually played by uh lynn thigpen who you may real recognize from I recognized her from the Carmen San Diego game show. Yeah, she was uh, the she was the police chief, right? Yeah, yeah the chief. Yeah. And uh she's also she's been in a lot of different movies, but yeah. she has a real distinct voice. Like she's just got mm -hmm. like that that works really well. I mean, she gives I mean that this is the performance that she gives here with with like just her voice is really good. Oh yeah, that's all they need is because it's literally just a shot of her mouth on a mic and talking and that's all they really need. Like you can just see the character, you can get the character out of this. She I can't believe she didn't go on the radio cuz I I think she would be a great radio host for real. Yeah, she was she was really good but yeah. uh she, Fortunately, yeah, I'm no, I was gonna say, unfortunately, she she passed away like in like I think two thousand three, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was yep. just gonna say that. Well, I remember it because uh, <laughs> I remember it because she was. I was read, reading an article that she died, and when I saw the movie Anchor Management and theaters, oh. I was like, "Oh, it's her!" Because <laughs> like I used to love that game show. So when I saw her, I was just like, "Oh, it's her!" Oh, I thought it was just the joke when you were like, "No." The, the... <laughs> That's that was really I, that was i i sent nathan a text doing like the leo dicaprio like pointing at the screen thing i'm like oh that was this was me at the theater i'm like no that was literally and that's me funny the i thought you were just making a joke <laughs> that's that's pretty good oh yeah it would, i i was like oh it's her <laughs> no so, that, yeah no that's good but uh what a movie um i mm. want i want to also add to um like I said about the video game, the video game is phenomenal. Uh, made by Rockstar, probably, in my opinion, the best movie-based video game ever made. Um, just such a great vibe to it. Um, it was on PS2, Xbox, and it got re-released onto the PS4 as well. Yeah. Um, it's uh, definitely a wild ride because, like I said, it gives you a lot more scenes with Cleon, a lot more scenes with uh, the other castmates, almost everybody comes back and voices their original character. I believe the only couple that didn't was like Cowboy and Rembrandt, who was unfortunately had passed away at that point. Yeah, so that, that's sad. But no, that's a game that's been on my list for a very long time. It's a really cool game. So uh, I'll have to play it sometime. Yeah, for you Patreons out there, for you patrons, we might actually be doing something like that. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? We'll see. All right, well, Nathan, there's definitely one aspect that we have to talk about before we end the discussion about the Warriors. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned it earlier, and that is the, the director's cut of this movie that is completely made by Walter Hill uh, almost 30 years after the fact. I believe it came out in 2005, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and wow what a uh, what a director's cut so uh, his intention was he went like i said before like you mentioned it that they made this movie kind of look like a comic book mm -hmm. and in the director's cut they take that very very literally like they they yeah. take it looking like they they insert comic book panels as like scene transitions or like it'll do like a freeze frame and then it'll turn into like a, a drawing and with like a word yeah. bubbles and everything i it's something i um i've heard about this director's cut i feel like it's very infamous uh and i've never sat down and watched it i've owned it and for some reason it is really hard to find a theatrical cut for this movie on blu-ray or anything it's like weird but um 
it's yeah, better I, now but yeah yeah but i've seen the intro i actually for this episode i turned on the intro of the director's cut where it shows like because this is based off of um i think a greek kind of tale and greek history yeah yeah and it has like this oh this is the battle that was fought and i was like no i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to watch this I, I can already tell i'm not gonna like this so it's very very literal and to me it kills a lot of flow of the movie mm-hmm. and it's it to me it's like it does a lot of damage to the movie in my opinion um, walter hill did say you know this is what he intended the movie to look like but okay walter <laughs> but he did say you know like it, it may not be good but this is what i this is what my directorial vision was so i think this is just kind of like his way of get this he's finally able to do it his way yeah the problem with that though is that this was the only version that you could see for the for the longest time yeah that's what's so weird about it if it's for a a director and he's like i don't know if it's any good but this is what i want to do that should be supplemental it shouldn't you should have access to the theatrical cut the one that everybody saw if this had both versions on there, I would have never have said anything. It would have been fine. I would have probably watched it and be like, okay, that was a nice little experiment you had there, but it didn't work. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to keep watching my movie. But the problem is that was the only way you could watch it. And whenever I would recommend this movie to people, they would just be like, what was that? That was so like, why is it like half modern, half old movie? And I'm like, just, you got to roll with it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it really sucks. Because uh, um, the original DVD, because I, I watched the original DVD, that one actually went out of print for the longest time. So you, really? couldn't, even, you couldn't even find like the theatrical cut. So Yeah, and the ma- mass-produced one was the one that said director's cut on it. Because I remember seeing that one at stores and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know how I ended up watching, because I this was all new to me, and I maybe watched this around like, when I was a teenager, I must have really sought out trying to find the theatrical cut because I, I know this is one of those infamous director's cuts you don't Did watch. you, uh, you didn't watch it on Netflix or because I had the Netflix DVD sent to my house. Maybe so. I did. Maybe because that would be around the time that I watched, I rented DVDs from Netflix. And because that was that, and I had the theatrical one. That was how I first watched it. That was probably how I watched it too. Okay. And that would make sense. But like I said, it's just, it kills a lot of the flow of the movie. So like, there'll be like a big dramatic scene that happens and they'll just do like freeze frame. And then it just puts this really bad looking filter where it turns like the image into like a painting, like kind of what you can kind of do now for like an Instagram filter or something like that. Yeah. It does not look good in the slightest. And I really hated that. This was the only way you could see this movie for the longest time, but now the theatrical cut is a little more readily available. If you go watch this on digital, YouTube, Tubi, whatever, that's theatrical version. Um, and Thank uh, the digital purchase that I have um, right now on my uh, Apple TV, it does have both versions on there. So you could still watch both versions, which is how it should have been. And it does come yeah. with an hour long documentary, which is nice. That's awesome. That's good to know. But if you can't tell, yeah, very high recommend. Yeah, of course. Yeah, watch this movie. This movie, it's a classic, right? I think it's a classic, important movie. You, you should check it out if you haven't already. But we're going to go to the Thursday movie. And Nathan, what will that be? All right. So I get to take Thursday away from you. <laughs> um, no. And, yeah, sorry. Uh, but we're actually going to do a movie that's kind of a companion to this movie in a way. And that's The Wanderers, also from 1979. And that is streaming over on Tubi. Perfect. Can't wait. But do you have any thoughts, opinions, suggestions? Please email us over at drive and double feature podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at DIDF. Once again, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash drive and double feature podcast. But until next time. Until next time. <laughs>